So, King, I hear you're a guest at this Formula One podcast. Have you got a Formula One intro for us? <laughs> no. It's like, oh shit, the bodyguard's coming. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. <laughs> Right, so I managed to escape from the uh, bodyguard. Welcome to episode 329 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighbor, Straight Harrison, and uh, everything, as they say, is bigger in Texas. And that also, I guess, could apply to the strategy gambles and their Grand Prix. It's good to be back, and it's good to be back in America for the first time in a couple of years, because, yeah, Formula One, United States Grand Prix, Circuit of the Americas, and some smoothed out bumps. Yeah, because, you know, we had, we had to get the bumps ironed out a bit, because that, that came up a lot on, on, on two wheels, so that, we, we had to mention that too. So, the United States Grand Prix, all of that coming up soon. Let's go around the horn real quick. First and foremost, RJ O'Connell, hello, sir. Well, howdy, y'all. Great to be back home. Sure was a fine trip. Moseying along back to Connecticut after a root toot good weekend. <laughs> Are you going to keep this up for the entire show? Oh, no, 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 no. I cannot do, I cannot do Daniel Ricardo's approximation of a Texas accent, which is more akin to a North Carolina accent. Yeah. Uh, the man was doing entire interviews in my North man had Carolina. His te- my man had his te- University of Texas undergrad cosplay down to a T at the driver's parade. I I, I I was I was impressed. I was impressed at the commitment to the bit from Daniel Ricardo. I have to applaud him for that because I, I cannot imagine anyone else on the grid doing that but him. You and, see how uh, awkward Lance Stroll looked in his fucking cowboy hat? Oh, it, it looked like it looked like the hat was about to swallow him whole from the top down. It was it, it, it was you could see the pain etched on his face as as he was wearing his hat. It was it was it was like, it was, like at least Mick Schumacher looks like he's a better fit to be a farmhand at Ram Ranch. <laughs> it rocks. Uh, it's, it, it does indeed. Yeah. Again, and of all the guys that had American special helmets, Daniel Ricardo's Mwah. chef's kiss. Ooh, I don't know. Yuki Tsunoda's mm-hmm. was Helmet of the Year for me so oh. far. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Speaking of I, which, Cam Buckley, I, how's, it, how's, how's it going down there? <laughs> yeah, just listening to RJ's voice, I'm wondering what a Texas County Mountie's doing in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's quite the mix, isn't it? It's like it's like one of these things is not like the others, is it? I mean, yes, also good mention to Cam. Yuki Tsunoda's awesome helmet was very, very good indeed. King, how's it going down there, man? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm pretty sure uh, Daniel Caro is going to be in for rude awakening when Formula One returns to the United States early next May. Oh no, because we're we're going to Miami. Oh no, oh no. Ooh, that, like all I'm saying is, uh, Daniel, bring protection. Just just throwing no, that no, out there. It, it, no, no. On his way into Florida, he just needs to drive that beautiful Wrangler Chevy. Down into Florida, and everyone will give him distance. That was the most American that I have ever felt. Watching that go down, hearing that engine fire up, uh, mm. like a couple feet away from me. I, I don't typically like feel any pride in this country for a lot of reasons, but <laughs> when when Daniel Ricardo peeled out in that Wrangler Chevy, I was just like. The, the Lee Greenwood song is playing in my head, and I probably stand up <laughs> next to this 84 Monte Carlo. 
Yeah. Oh, Just, yeah, uh, yeah. B- b- above all other events that happened during the weekend, Daniel Ricardo did indeed do it for Dale. For Daniel! He did it for Dale, and it, and it was glorious. Although, could, could you imagine how much how, how much sweat was coming off Zach Brown's brow as that car was going round? Could you imagine the... Ins- <laughs> oh, he, you imagine he has the enough ins- money to get it fixed. Are you sure? Like, like, how big would the insurance premium be on something like that? <laughs> like... On the other hand, it's a 1980s stock car. You could just probably, you could just take a hammer to it, buff out any dents. You just bond <laughs> that together, put it back Dre, together. Dre, you know how the aerodynamics were designed on those cars in the day? They weren't. Mm, that looks right. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It looks about right. It's was, the kind of gonna... car that these F1 anoraks would love. I was, was going to say, like, the hammer dents would probably make it more authentic, wouldn't it? No, mm. <laughs> so, so I guess that could work, too. You know, it's, I remember it because like, I remember episodes of Top Gear back in the day where they couldn't drive certain old Ferraris because the insurance was just too damn high. Like, so I was thinking that when I saw Daniel Ricciardo go around. But, uh, oh, yeah, did it for Dale indeed, and that was awesome. So... We'll be talking about the 2021 United States Grand Prix here, and uh, boy, we got another heated Hamilton versus Verstappen showdown. Thankfully, no contact this time. They kept it uh, all at uh, all clean on this one, but very, very fast. We'll get into all of the details on that one soon, um, and we'll be talking a little bit about America in general when it came, when it comes to Formula One. As, as well, I mean, because this was a big, big race weekend. Over 400,000, according to F1's estimates, um, for the weekend. Uh, big, big attendance as well. Apparently over 100,000 on race day. So we'll be talking about F1's influence in America as well, because it's getting hard not to talk about that, because this, this was a big old weekend. And we got to talk about a grid walk. <laughs> I know, I know. Don't throw tomatoes. Don't tune out. Hear us out on this one. I, I promise it will not be as bad as you think it is. Just, just, just stay with me on this one, okay? We'll get to the end I of it. The and, fifth. Uh, <laughs> I won't. Make the thing one being absolutely clear on that point, at least. So that'll all be in the next forty-five minutes or so. But in the meantime, basically, you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport One Hundred One. If you're watching us on there, subscribe, hit the bell, leave a like, all that good stuff. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport One Hundred One. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore One Hundred One. And if you want to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison One Hundred One HD, at RJ O'Connell, at C Puckley Nine One Seven, and at Ryan Eric King. We're on Instagram at Motorsport One Hundred One Pod. Um, and yeah, if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport One. Five bucks gives you early access to all of our audio content. You can upgrade to the video video version for ten bucks and get access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. You get all those details and all our written content as well on our website, motorsport101.com. Now we're splitting this doubleheader up. Episode 330 will be about MotoGP at Misano. Um, that'll be next time round. But if you want a little sneak preview as to what the content might be regarding that, or at least some of what gets discussed in a bit more detail, I wrote a blog about that as well, and Moto3's age limits, which we'll talk about a bit more in episode 330 as well. So stick around for that too whenever that goes up. So without further ado, let's get into the United States Grand Prix. It was another Hamilton versus. Verstappen showdown at the Circuit of the Americas in Texas. In what was considered a minor upset, 
given the form going into the weekend, it was Verstappen who snatched pole in the dying seconds of qualifying at a track that's generally favored both Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton in the turbo hybrid era. His lead was short-lived, though. Hamilton got the better start off the line and pushed Max wide to turn one to take the lead. The classic Hamilton squeeze at Coda. Mm-hmm. Right, Nico? <laughs> Despite his best efforts, though, he couldn't break away from Max, and in the first round of stops, Red Bull went aggressive, triggering the undercut and forcing Hamilton to go long on his starting mediums. And by the time Hamilton made a stop, Verstappen was well in the lead. Max went short again at the end of his second stint, setting us up with 25 laps to go with Lewis Hamilton on an advantage tire, nine seconds behind Verstappen. He slowly reeled in the gap. Near the end, he was quickly reeling in the gap, but with a handful of laps to go, Hamilton, on the brink of DRS range, was met with a series of clutch laps from Max. Max came home to take his seventh win of 2021, because let's be real, Spa wasn't actually a race, with Hamilton just (laughs) a second behind. These two chased each other away from the entire field, with Sergio Perez a suffering Sergio Perez, a distant third. The toughest race of his career physically, after his drinks bottle failed on lap one, in 30 degrees centigrade Austin heat, while also suffering from flu-like symptoms and a dodgy stomach during this during the weekend. wonder if it was the Texas barbecue. I don't know, ask Yuki. Um, <laughs> hey, apparently he likes it now, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was different meats are cooked point. a little different. Okay, so mm-hmm. there was this article that came out over the weekend with the headline, Yuki Tsunoda doesn't care much for Texas barbecue and hates having a sweaty ass. First and foremost, I, on the second point, I can relate to that. Because if you're driving around somewhere, he, nobody wants to have a sweaty – no one wants swamp ass when you're out driving at the highest levels of the sport. That's number one. Number two – I, I think the headline was harsh. I think Yuki was generally like positive toward it, but he said it's not the best I've ever had, but it's fine. And towards the close of the weekend, he started coming around, probably because he may have visited a, a better Texas barbecue place than he did the first time, because he may alluded to the fact that he made multiple visits. Like I, I was going to say, was that second trip damage control? Like, because I thought if, if, I thought he might not get out of the state border alive if you kept that if you kept that one up for the entire weekend. <laughs> oh dear! Right now, of course, one of the four of us here was lucky enough to be in Austin this weekend, so we had to touch base with RJ O'Connell down there representing racefans dot um, net over there. RJ, how was Austin, my man? Um. The facilities of the place are immense. So immense that I got lost for several hours trying to find my way into the media center on Thursday afternoon. And that was a bit humiliating. I went almost the entire day without eating anything but the two Biscoff cookies they gave me on the plane rides over. And it was about five in the evening where it's just like, I've got to have something. I'm driving away from the surf. I'm just like, aha, I'll pull up to a Whataburger because I know they're not normally where I usually live. Mm. And while they may give off weird fundy vibes, unlike Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out, they're at least good at not shitting on their front porch and leaving it out there for everyone to smell. And and the food was delicious, by the way. The food was delicious. Whataburger's good. Raisin Cane's is good. Hayes County Barbecue in San Marcos, definitely worth its inclusion on the quadrennial Texas monthly top 50 barbecues places in the state. 
I sadly didn't get to touch any of the top 10, but if you're in the top 50, you're doing quite well. Because you know how big that place is, and you know how many barbecue joints there are in the state of Texas? Huge. It's, it's a lot. Well, if, you, if you aren't um, cooking good barbecue, you're not going to be around for very long. The <laughs> crowd. I... I went to three United States Grand Prix at Indianapolis. Yes, including the one where 20 cars took the formation lap and only six of them started. I don't think I'd ever see... The crowds for this race put any of them in Indianapolis to shame. And I know that may be reasoning bias, but it definitely felt more massive, especially on Friday and Saturday. I saw people packing the place on Friday and Saturday. It wasn't just because there was the tease that Colton Herta might do FP1, RIP, Sauber, Andretti deal, may it rest in peace. Uh, but every, every day it was packed. The traffic going into the place was immense. The traffic coming out of the place was immense. Uh, I got to go up the observation tower um, up around the amphitheater. They Ooh. give you like 15 minutes up at the top to take pictures and what have you. Um, it's absolutely worth it. The views are immense. Would highly recommend it. i never seen so much suburban sprawl as I did in the corridor between I-35 from San Antonio, where I flew into from just south of Austin, where I got off because I'm not taking the toll roads. Um, but there's just so much chain shopping. There's so many bot standard housing developments. It's wild. Um, the atmosphere was immense. Um, one of the moments that really stuck out to me was during Saturday qualifying when Sergio Perez went to provisional P1. Like, it got mm. loud when Max got to the top. When Sergio went to the top, it was like Stone Cold just walked out for his match at WrestleMania 17. <laughs> <laughs> you could hear that through the media center where you got the three fans running and we got the monitors. You can't really hear anything other than, like, the sounds of all the shit that's going on outside of the media center and like they have the air conditioner going, so if, so that there was a pretty loud ovation that we had. I got to watch mm. some W series. This is the most W series that I've watched because it's impossible to watch on television in the United States. <laughs> it was great. Mm. Congratulations, Jamie Chadwick, back to back W series champion of the world. Stephanie McMahon is giving you a WWE Women's Championship belt for all of your efforts. Badass. That's great. Love that. <laughs> um. What up? I, I had some other points. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott, um, do you remember the 1998 Brit Awards, Dre? I do. <laughs> do you remember John Prescott got the ice bucket challenge from Chumbawamba? Oh, it was beautiful. Um, I, I wouldn't have done it because I'm representing somebody else, and it's my first time. I didn't want to get in trouble. But if somebody else did it in my in my place, just know that I am here for you, and I support you all the way. Uh, Agreed. Thank you, thank you um, to a bunch of people. Thank you to Mandy Curie from Motorlap. Thank you to Elizabeth Blackstock, friend of the program from Jalopnik, King's colleague. We finally we've known each other for about ten thousand years. We finally hang up person. Uh, Love Thank you to Coda Track President Bobby Epstein for the time. Thank you to Matt and Otmar of Aston Martin for giving me the time to talk with them on Saturday. Thanks to every driver and media scrum. I know my iPhone was probably in your face. I apologize if that was getting too close. And, of course, thank you, Dieter Rankin from Racing Ryans, who let me stand in for him and put together a lot of content you saw come up on racefans.net this weekend. I appreciate it all very much. I don't know if I'm going to be able to come back, but I'd like to think I will be better prepared next time I come by. 
Congrats, man. Glad glad you had an amazing time. Whew. And uh, I mean, Absolutely. that's the stuff of dreams right there. So, yeah, so congrats, my man. I'm glad you had a great time down there. And uh, yeah, sounds cool as shit for the most part as well. I've always wanted to do a Grand Prix in America. And um, oh, so hopefully, good. hopefully one day. It's the bucket list. And to be fair, I turn 30 next year. You know, just throwing that one out there. I might have to. I might have to do some 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 talking. I would I would have maybe done Miami, but uh, I hear you had to have to remortgage your house to afford tickets. More hey, on that later. You, you can always uh, do Canada. It's discount America. I thought it was the. I thought it was the sweet <laughs> apartment over the meth lab. <laughs> oh no no no! Our Canadian vi- listeners can contact us. You can contact us at our Twitter account, cbuckley nine yep. seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Direct all complaints look, I, in look, his I've general caught, direction. I've caught enough smoke over the last two weeks from people making burner accounts. KD, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it happens. Don't you it regret happens. not coming to the Knicks? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was the other thing as well, because because the because the sidewalk at side talk NIC video from the next season opener. I swear I've watched that at least thirty times this past weekend for my daily dose of serotonin. King, oh, yeah. what the hell? What the hell are your is your team on? Uh, don't know, but it's it's enough to beat the Celtics in double overtime. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, saying- Jalen Brown out here missing dunks and layups in o- double OT. <laughs> I'm saying, like King, like how good is the coke in New York? Because like, that's full of excitement out there. I, I, I the only seen that video like, for the first time today. My first, my first night in New York for the for the E Prix. I'm pretty sure we stood where those people were standing, at least yeah, very we close were. to it. Yeah, we, we had the Blasio, we had Cuomo. It was rough shit, but we got the Knicks. Deep inside, deep inside me, and I'm not even a New Yorker. Oh, no, it, it, it was All right, right. recalibrate, recalibrate. Formula One, there was a Grand Prix right. in America. There was a Grand Prix Just in America. Just how good. Apparently- <sighs> <sighs> Go, Captain. Man, man, fuck New York sports. <laughs> Just how good. Just how good was that Verstappen victory? And how much did we enjoy that tactical battle? Oh, it was fantastic. Like, I had a feeling this was going to be a really good race. I had a feeling the crowd was not going to come away unsatisfied. And we got a good one. Uh, Pirelli expected two stops going into the weekend. We got a two-stopper. Um, Hamilton said it was going to be easy to follow through the first section because he could take different lines, and he could follow pretty easily. And so did uh, Max Verstappen in the first end of the race. Uh, you know, I was noticing like Verstappen did did end up losing out in the first corner, but he wasn't really falling away. No, uh, no, they... and no. <clears throat> <Don't count. clears throat> No, go go on. No, <laughs> man got the cough at the worst possible time. No, like I said, it it. Like, I don't think the dirty air effect was as bad at, at this one as I thought it was going to be. I thought that first sector with all those medium speed corners was going to be a nightmare to follow. It actually wasn't that bad. I don't, I don't know what happened at Kota, but it seemingly worked out. I mean, look, I'm I'm going to put it out there. I think that was the 
defining Max Verstappen performance of his career to date. I always thought Brazil 2016 was a little overrated, in my humble opinion. This was... He was on wet tires that were like 30 laps fresher than everyone else. Right. But the Verstappen hive has always held on to that one for some reason. This mm. was... Oh, and that Verstappen hive, that sh they traveled to Texas. That oh, yeah. orange you see is not from the U from all the UT alums. Because you know damn well UT doesn't have much to cheer about for sports. I know there's a member of our Discord who goes to rival Texas A&M. will appreciate you talking all that good shit about UT Austin. Oh, yeah. No, no. look, it's, this was the defining Verstappen performance for me. This was... This was a back-against-the-wall sort of performance. Like We've seen this story before about Hamilton maybe being a little bit compromised on strategy, and then Merckx have often had to lean on his incredible talent to get him out of jail a couple of times over. I wasn't convinced that them going long was the right way to go, but then you see Hamilton chew up a nine-second gap in a handful of laps, and you go, he's going to do it it's again, the only option it? they had. Yeah. It's the only option they had once Red Bull undercut, because... For all the talk this is going to be a Mercedes track, uh, that's not how it ended up playing out. Sure, it looked like it in FP1 when they were a mm. second clear of the field. But Red Bull knuckled down, put in the setup work, and from third pack practice on, they looked to be the superior package. And the dirty air was strong enough that they had to go aggressive on strategy. They mm. undercut Hamilton, and... The undercut was so powerful here that the second he undercut, he was going to jump Lewis. And mm. it created this very, this great situation for us as the viewers where we have two cars with different strengths, two drivers at the absolute top of their game on two opposing strategies, closing down on each other in the final moments. And I'm not going to lie, as a Sebastian Vettel fan who had a few of those in the Ferrari era... I'm a sucker for those sorts of races because you could see that they were going at 110%. Um, for, uh, like, that Verstappen final stint was absolutely magnificent. I think it was 26 laps on a set of mediums that had to go even longer than his second stint, where Horner admitted the second stint of, of, of hard tyres he was on in, in the middle of the race, they were down to the carcass. There was literally nothing left on those on those hard tires when he came in for his, yeah. for his final stop, and yet he was able to go. I think it was twenty six laps in the final stint of the race and held off Lewis at the end. It was magnificent. I've never supporter, seen him drive so well. Supporter of the show, uh, Sasha, at a very at a very good point after the race. No previous version of Max would have won that race in that instance. Because Max Verstappen's entire style for a very long time was murder, death, kill the tires, get all the lap time you can, and whatever happens, happens. This was so far removed from that, even even from two years ago, because mm. I think he learned a lot of, uh, about how to manage a race last year because there was nothing to play for. He was just chilling, collecting podiums, because there was nothing more that uh, he or Red Bull could do. He played it perfectly. He let Lewis use up his tires to catch him, managed his tires for pretty much the whole stint, and as soon as Lewis got into his dirty air, dropped the hammer. And he had enough tire to fight, because so many times we've seen it. We saw it earlier this year with Spain. We saw it most famously in 2019 in Hungary. 
Mm. Lewis gets put on the alternate strategy on fresher tires, is given the full beans to go run someone down, and by the time he catches Max, Max doesn't have any tires left. He played this perfectly. He played the thinking man's race, and against the unstoppable force that is Lewis Hamilton in the modern age, Mm. he was an immovable object. With Acura power. Acura's first win in the sport. With, 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 to- with second win, second win, 1992 in Canada, Gerhard oh. Berger. Yes, uh, the token Acura stickers on the rear wing, but this was, this was the most complete win of Max Verstappen's career. That's great. This was, this was one of those races on which a championship is decided. Because That's he stopped right. Mercedes' momentum at the exact right time. My brother is a big Max Verstappen fan. He was another one of the people that got in the show via certain Netflix series. Max Verstappen mm. is his guy. You know, I used to hate racing, but Max Verstappen is his guy. I, I couldn't get a picture with him, but I did uh, capture the last few corners of the race and everybody was going by and losing their shit. It's like, yeah, Super Max Army, it travels. They were mm. all going nuts. Fireworks going off, confetti, explosions, just... Just a magnificent scene. Defining victory. Max has really got to throw... He's re... Do you... I, I don't know how he met... It, it's got to take some sort of catastrophe for this to disappear now. I wouldn't go that far. Like, honestly, because if there's one thing I got a buzz from from this Grand Prix, it was that a lot of Hamilton fans I normally follow were immediately waving the white flag like, this season is over. Man's only back by twelve. Like I think it's there's there's deeper things I think at play though, and we go back to the topic mm. from the last time I was on the show because I don't think I was here last week. Credit no, card here last, no I was not here. Uh, you were too busy being <laughs> a Corvette boomer. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, uh, car drives lovely by the way. Um, <laughs> Mercedes came into this weekend. With their usual apocalyptic straight line speed advantage, mm. and then Valtteri Bottas lost another engine. Yeah, and in qualifying and in the race, Mercedes did not have nearly the straight line speed that they have for the last four or five races. And now there are concerns from Toto Wolf that they will not have enough parts as far as the internal combustion engine, the V6 itself, to make the end of the season supplying all of their customers and themselves. I think there was a total of four Mercedes engine changes this weekend. Yeah, Sebastian Vettel and George Russell both at the back of the grid as well for uh, power unit changes as well during this race. Um, Chat to the Seb fans out there. We got a point. We'll take that from the back. We Yeah, a brilliant drive from Seb. Uh, really... Max drove a perfect race. Lewis drove as perfectly as he could. Charles had a great race. Very Sergio maximizing. Perez. People, Parrot. people, oh. people were just wound up about the fact Sergio Perez was like a minute behind Max Verstappen. Was it really that impressive? First of all, fifteen points is fifteen points. They don't duck points based on the number of seconds you finished behind your teammate. Big Second, in the constructors. That's big Massive. in the constructors, and also, yeah, he's doing this without his drink bottle. Because it just, the contents of it just burst all over his baklava before the race. And he oh. had the poops! He had the oh. poops this weekend! 
<laughs> Whoa. He, he, had, he had his version of the Utah pizza game. Uh, <laughs> I'm still finished. Uh, the flu fun. race. <laughs> the flu race. No, no. Yeah, that was a very impressive third. I mean, I've given Sergio Perez my fair share of stick on this show. Um, given, I think he, I think Valtteri's had an unfair level of it on this show. Degree mm. if you like or disagree if you like, but that was a huge third place. They needed that. They took 13 points out of Mercedes constructors' leads down to 23 with uh, with five to go, and, and they've got Mexico lately. next. Mm. Last couple races, yeah. you, you know, Russia, he should have got a lot more than he ended up getting, um, yeah. thanks to the weather. But mm. back to that, given given it looks like Mercedes cannot provide that level of performance they showed without severely affecting their reliability, we have Mexico coming up. Hey, we know the Honda, Honda altitude. The Honda eats good in high altitude. You don't need the they, humidor for these baseballs. <laughs> Mercedes needs... If Mercedes wants to keep this go, in, under their own control, to control their own destiny, they have to pull out something special, both in Mexico and in Brazil, given every trend with the Honda engines over the last... over 2019 in the Red Bull. That car eats good at high altitude. And who mm. knows what's going to happen because two of the, and the two of our other five venues are brand new. Yeah, we <laughs> and we just don't know. Yeah, they're wild cards. We don't know what's going to happen in Qatar. And we don't know what's going to happen in Jeddah later on. In and the Abu Dhabi so heavily, is heavily reconfigured. We don't know about that one either. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it could be good. Could be good. Could be shit. Who knows? <laughs> Mm. You tell him, Gattuso. Um Yeah, I mean, overall, where was this on the scale of enjoyment for you guys out of 10? Because I know we had some differing opinions on this when we talked about it on Sunday. Kiggy <laughs> <Like>, first. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still in the camp that I was on Sunday. Uh, 5 out of 10. Like, it was a solid, solid race. And again... Earlier this season, we've had much, much better races. Mm, mm. Um, I'm not going to grade this on a. I'm not going to grade this on a curve. Um, I give it give it a seven and a half. I think it was one of those good tension races where there was for the lead it, itself. There wasn't a lot of wheel to wheel, but there was great mm. tension. We also had some really good action throughout the midfield, so I give it a seven and a half. <laughs> Like there was a great line in there when we were watching it live on Sunday where King was like, Look at how the great the best action of the track is for Czech's notes, nineteenth place between <laughs> Esteban Ocon no. and Nicholas oh. Satifi, I think it was. <laughs> Alpine Alpine had a day and a yeah. follow up on the Valtteri Baltas subject. Yikes. That's where I'll leave it. Yikes. Yeah. Big yikes, took until the final lap to pass a Ferrari. Valtteri, I tried to defend you. <laughs> it, it, it's frustrating. Um, I thought it was about a six. I, 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 This is not like, it, on its own, in a vacuum, this was a pretty good tension race. I like these sort of time trial races more than the average person does. I openly admit that. It's mostly because we've been spoiled this year. Like, we've had a handful of really, really great races this year, and this one just wasn't that. But 
on its own, I think it was pretty good. Yeah. RJ, RJ, what do you reckon, even even though you were down there in person? I'm going to abstain because I, I know my opinion of this is going to be biased. I would, ha- I would <laughs> What's have your opinion on the re- Texas barbecue? We'll get that rating um, um So, Hayes County Barbecue, I give it a solid 9 out of 10. Um, I had a half pound of brisket along with hatch green chili. <laughs> hatch green chili mac and cheese on the side. Uh, some sweet tea, which I had not drank in a while because I'm actually trying to cut sugary drinks out of my diet. But while I was in Texas, I decided, why not? Have a little sweet tea. Have a little Dr. Pepper because it's from there. And then go straight back to the sparkling water and just stay on that for as long as I possibly could. Uh, Coda Cafe did a pretty good approximation of high-quality Texas barbecue, but I'm not going to bitch about that because that's free to all the media members. And who can argue with free food? That's true. Free barbecue is uh, very fine. You got free barbecue? Screw you, O'Connell. God damn you. (laughs) There's always free food in the media center. It's true. Like, I know it's free food, but free barbecue? Like, come on! Like, you would yeah. never get that in the UK. In the yeah. UK, it's like free tea and some biscuits if you're lucky. I've done a couple of media events in the UK. It's like, like I will this, also this, this, say for the fans, there is also and maybe some of the people, the people of Benicota know that there is a Lone Star Land uh, near the amphitheater in the Observation Tower that's basically like a sampling of some of the better barbecue joints in Austin, or at least the ones that could bother to bring their equipment to the track to show up. And yes, mm. you're probably going to pay twice as much as we would for a dish as if you would go to the actual restaurant and eat. But it's there. And you'll pay for it because you have to when you're on track. I mean, like you, you just you just do it, you, you, even though you know you're paying an obscene price for it. But it's like well, I've, I've been there. I've been there. I know that feeling. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Now we got to talk a little bit about the weekend as a whole because there was a lot of talking points coming out of coming out of Cota in this one, and I wonder them was TV ratings, attendance in general. Um, I know that Formula One was third between all the major motorsport this weekend in terms of TV ratings behind the NASCAR Cup Series race. I think, I think was it Kansas, I think it was, guys? I mean, out here? Oh, uh, um, yes, they were in Kansas. No, Kansas, yeah. Man, I was down in the Xfinity Series. They did do better than MotoGP in the end. Um, you know, but roughly the 18 to 49 demographics were about the same um, between mm-hmm. them and NASCAR. So that, you know, people, a lot of people saw that as a positive. Also, as mentioned at the top of the show, over 400,000 people. I mean, I saw from pictures and um, witness accounts from people like Lizzie, as RJ mentioned earlier, that, yeah, people were mounting the hill at 9 a.m. in the morning and trying people to clamp whatever. People were jumping over security. People were having to walk on the road where oh, the yeah. shuttles take the co- take the people out of the paddock. People were just mm. walking on the road because the sidewalks going the other way were slammed to the gills with people trying to get onto the track or wait to see the drivers or go wait to watch Billy Joel in concert. There was a Billy Joel concert, by the way. We're bringing a little Ooh. bit of New York to Texas. It's fine. <laughs> it, uh, it looked it looked like an v- event pre-pandemic. But it looked even better than this event did a couple years ago because in-person attendance, I believe in 2019, last time we were here, was about 210,000 people. This time was over 400,000. I heard the numbers yeah. anywhere from 380,000 over three days to the higher-end estimate of, of just over 400,000. Yeah. Like, because... 
Because I talk with uh, I talk with Epstein. I talk with Bobby Epstein. He said that this was going to be the biggest event. Somebody challenged him, saying, "Well, Adelaide '95 and Melbourne '96 were larger, but those were four day events, and they counted all four days of attendance. And those were pretty pretty packed, I'd say." Yeah, in, mm. in terms of an average over each day over the course of an entire weekend, this is arguably either first or second. With the only other event close in comparison would be the 2000 United States Grand Prix. Uh, we know it didn't beat race day attendance, but over the course of the whole weekend, we don't entirely know uh, how much the Speedway's attendance was in 2000. All we know is it did words, very, it was very great. well. It visibly yeah, it well. Did fanta- it did fantastic. Yeah. We were worried for a while about Circuit of the America's future. Because mm. we know they're they're not in the best shape financially. We no. know they have issues with the facilities track-wise. I'm willing to think that, like, if there was ever a doubt, this event probably saved the long-term future of Circuit of the Americas. I hope so. Could is, be. That, is that fair to say? Well, I hope so. I, could, I hope maybe so because we'll it's a very fun see. event. Yeah, I mean, it looked... Like, Cam, I think, hit the nail on the head for me. It felt like an F1 race pre-pandemic. It felt like the first real normal feeling Grand Prix of you know, the last Amazing, couple of years. Amazingly enough, I did not hear a bunch of the, this is this large crowd is why we can't have nice things. Would you all know that you're still in a pandemic? Shame on you for going to this event. We didn't hear much of that for what it's worth. Well, well, well yeah. you know, Texas has preferred to pretend that the pandemic doesn't exist. But see, I don't even think it was. Point. I don't even think it was more people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the people who are wanting to make some sort of grand stand against um, COVID and lockdown requirements—they're not going to go to a fucking Formula One race to prove their point. No, no. no. no, <laughs> no that's, that's, that's a very good point. But the overall point I was going to get to, fellas, here is that I mean, with the TV ratings promising, you know, up in the right direction, good demos. Uh. It's three hundred. Is it? Does it feel like we're starting to crack America here, or is there is there cause to be concerned still? King, I know you're eager to jump in here. <laughs> yes, I'd say the TV ratings are okay. Like I, mm. they're not fantastic. They're again on par with NASCAR. And while it, on paper it might seem, oh, F1's closing in on NASCAR. That's a great thing. For those, any of you who follow NASCAR over the past two decades know that mm. NASCAR isn't where it used to be. Not even close. Go and read Jenna Fryer's column from the AP where she's, <laughs> you know, talking to all the people in the NASCAR paddock at Kansas who are just like, damn, everybody at Circuit of the Mayor's having a great time. Why can't we have this here as like our, as like our grandstands are fucking half empty? Yeah, and... Uh. And when you compare it to other sports in the U.S., say... The, the the sports league that F1 was in partnership over the weekend, the NBA, and you pick mm-hmm. out one of the opening week games where, you know, the NBA where they play t- twice, where every team plays two times or three times a week. Uh, if you compare it against the the game we referenced earlier in the show, uh, Nick Celtics, uh, nationally they averaged 1.9 million viewers for that just one random for that one random single, you know, one random regular game. season game. Yeah. And 
I think the the marquee opening season matchup for the NBA this year was Lakers Warriors, and that averaged close to three million viewers for that game. And these are just regular season basketball games, and they're easily outdrawing the United States Grand Prix. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. this is really good for Formula One, but there's still a long way to go. Of course. Yeah, Motorsport yeah. in general in the United States is a fairly niche sport. It's It would take a lot for... It would take, like, a s- total collapse of American football, basketball, everything oh, like that for F1 to be made. Oh, I, I didn't even want to mention... Uh, so, uh, last Sunday, at around the same time the NFL was on, and uh, the Bears played the Buccaneers, and that had an average viewership of 17 million people. <laughs> really? Oh no! We're, we're we're really out here having that many people watch Tom Brady abuse a bunch of bears. So, like, it is mm. great for Formula One, but I think a little bit of perspective is required. Of course, yeah. It, it's it's yeah. we like there is growth here. That's nice to see. Definitely, we are. Very, very far from "quote unquote" cracking America on the grand scale. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, maybe, um, maybe not. Yeah, like I, I think in terms of making it in America, Formula One fans and Formula One itself is two different visions. Where I think, in terms of Formula One itself, they they want viewership. They want the the lucrative TV contracts that NASCAR and and the NBA and NFL have here in the U.S. Instead of giving away things for free, uh, mm-hmm. they they want American corporate sponsorship because there's a lot of money in that as well. Oh yeah. For yeah. for fans on the other hand, they they want F1 to be a part of mainstream American culture. They want you know uh, they want LeBron James and Max Verstappen to somewhat see be seen in the same light. Mm. Why do you think we had Shaq up on the podium with the boys? <laughs> oh, boy. DJ yeah. Diesel out here making all of these F1 drivers look tiny. We should have put him next to Yuki. Oh, oh no. God. Like Shaq guarding Bugsy mode. He, he would have peeled, like, Yuki off the back of one of his size 18s. Like, Yuki, wait, but look, look. Yuki is absolutely as short as advertised. We stand our short kings. Yes, indeed. Mm. God bless him. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, like, I've I've seen threads discussing this, and it's like, oh yeah, F1's got it in America now, and I'm just sitting there going, yeah, they're doing so much better at social media, and I'm like, did you see their social media five years ago? They had none. Yeah, like, like it, it, was, it was zero. Like <laughs> when when people talk about, oh, has F1 made it in America? It's it's mainly F1 just simply didn't exist in America because we've talked about it. Over the weekend, where I compared like the viewing figures for Drive to Survive compared to other sports documentaries, and mm. it's average compared to most other sports documentaries. It just simply F one just simply wasn't talked about. Right, yeah, I was going to say F Formula One. Formula One effectively died in this country for a time, and it's mm. still. Much like other American racing series that repeatedly keep getting blown up and having to be rebuilt. Hi, IndyCar. Hi, IMSA. We are mm. fa- we are so far from where we were, let alone where other sports are now. Yeah. And 
I would say even compared to back when the the Grand Prix first went to Indianapolis, it was in a different plot. It was a different, it was very different time when yeah. it wasn't unreasonable for someone to go from kart to Formula One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and when like, when the USGP died, well, end of 07, it, it was off the calendar for 08, correct? Yes. Yes. Formula One changed quite a bit, just in general, in the time that it took from the end of the Indianapolis Grand Prix to the first race at Coda. Mm. Very different yeah. sport. And I was gonna, I was gonna say, just overall, it's like the amount of people that keep saying DTS is this is doing this and DTS is doing that. Like, I've had people. I work in the bookies, and we talk about sports in there all the time, and like. The, the beautiful thing about my job, and there isn't many, but I'll tell you one thing, is that you you live through other people and other people's walks of life. A lot of people in my shop know about this show. Hi, guys. Mm. Um, and shout out to Greenford's Paddy Power. You guys, are all, you guys are all awesome. Um, but people have asked me about Draft to Survive, and I'm like, yeah, it's good and all, and I'm, and I'm glad it exists. But it's like people need to realize, like, two or three people asking me about the show, you're coming up from the bar being zero, like, yeah. subterranean when it comes to mainstream discussions about Formula 1. I guarantee you, a lot of people did not care about Hamilton winning all these titles going into the last season or season and a half or so. We've we've been blessed with an incredible title fight this year on the back of the third well, season of the show. Well, that's what I was going to mention. We've had a like, blip. It's a the, blip. Like King, King, mentioned with, King mentioned the viewership of a regular old NBA game that, granted, opening night, Everyone loves their opening night basketball, but no. that game does not really matter in the grand scheme of the season. Yeah, Famously so. Ask the LA Clippers about it. We have a mm. knockdown, drag out title fight in F1, and that's the viewership that we got for a, and a, a grand scan finish between them. And again, this is one of three races this season that are actually in a time zone applicable to a US TV audience. Yeah, mm, yeah. We don't get. And, you got, uh, I know you guys don't get many. <sighs> and I, no. I also, I also love this note that someone put in here uh, in this uh, weekend TV ratings viewership uh, story, where they mentioned uh, the Manning cast, the alternate commentary for Monday oh, Night yes. Football with Eli and Peyton Manning. Um, love that. They did 1.6 million in viewership for the alternate broadcast to Monday Night Football. <laughs> well, look, you, you can make you can make it simple. F1 had the perfect scenario for a Formula One race in America, in Texas. Big show, big circumstance, alternate viral stories, title fight, back of a reasonably popular Netflix show that got a lot of people into it. It pulled the same as NASCAR's B-Series race. Yeah, like, I think in the grand <sighs> scheme of things, in terms of... The, the United States in Formula One and Drive to Survive, it's going to be somewhat comparable to uh, how it was referenced in Fighting in the Age of Loneliness in terms of mm. what the Ultimate Fighter did for UFC, where prior to the ult- prior to the Ultimate Fighter, a lot of <laughs> a lot of the UFC events are somewhat seen as something that very few people seen live and were pretty much seemingly done to fill up a tape archive that'll be watched on a streaming service. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. 
I wouldn't know. I, I had a bunch of, like, UFC 100-plus DVDs at one point when I was younger, so I completely get that that anecdote, because I basically had a tape library in my bedroom at one point. Um, so, yeah, I know exactly how that feels, and, yeah, like... For, for a lot of people going into 2022, uh, it's... Lewis Hamilton's gonna be seen as that figure who won most of F, like, won most of the F1 championships back before they started watching. That's how mm. a lot of people are coming into this. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, which is gonna be a problem soon because he's in the twilight of his career and he's 37 in January. Like, there is no guarantee he's gonna be here for more than the two years left on his contract. So, uh, w- w- when we get past that point, you're ticking off one of the big problems. Transcendent star gone. That like that's going to be an issue, and Max is not going to move the needle like Lewis has in the last decade. Um, you know, so good luck with that. Basically, don't no, tell that to the MB thirty three ultras. <laughs> I will face them with my mouth. Um, but the point is, is that no, I I'm inclined to agree. It's like a lot of people going absolutely do lolly over this, and I'm just like. We're in this big old F1 social media bubble. Of course, it's going to sound exciting, but in the grand scheme of things, I think people are over-egging the pudding quite a touch on this I hear one. you on that. I hear you. And I know big picture, like, Formula One's got to have a long, long way to go to get mainstream popular in the United States. But I also look at it from the perspective, like, yeah, Formula One was dead, except for the few hardcore fans that we had that's like, begging people to watch while also getting shit from other markets saying that we're too dumb to get the sport. Mm. I think after I think after this weekend, I think I'm inclined to say, we get it. We get it and we understand it. We get it, we understand we get- it, we like it. Fuck off with your gatekeeping bullshit. <laughs> oh my goodness, what a fantastic segue. I'm going to keep this tidy. Multi-million, multi-platinum recording artist Megan Thee Stallion was on the grid along with another other celebrities at this United States Grand Prix. By the way, I did not see this because one thing about the media center is they don't pump in any of the commentary. Hell, they don't even pump in any of the sound of the broadcast. We just hear like a few radio messages that come out over the course of the race, FOM Mm. interviews, and that's really about it other than the noise of the car. So I miss Martin Brundle trying to ask Megan Thee Stallion to do like a freestyle rap. And then someone in her entourage comes up to Martin and is like, Martin, you can't do that. Martin tries to clap back saying, well, I can do that because I just did. Everybody is making a big fucking deal about uh, over. Look, the only person that really did anything wrong in this case was that member of Megan's entourage. And I can almost see his, and I could see his point because Megan has also had to go through a terrible restraining order situation earlier in her career. So of shot. course he's going to be vigilant about. It. Yeah, she was shot at. Megan did nothing wrong herself. I am tired of all these other people in the media, including people that I love and respect, and actually interacted with this weekend, getting all uptight about something that didn't involve them. I had much ruder interactions with hotel service staff, but I'm not using my platform on race fans to write a thousand words about how this hotel wait staff d- disrespected me, disrespected the Formula One media, because I'm some idiot that doesn't, that has shown no inclination on camera to even thinking about eating pussy, let alone featuring on a track about it that sold tons and tons of records and got streamed tons and tons of times on Spotify. 
So now that about 72 hours have passed, I trust that y'all have stopped steering this vehicle full stand at top gear right into the intersection of general gatekeeping and terrible misogynoir that we can move on from this and we can all be better people because of it. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, no, it's, it's like, it's like, that yeah, was an yeah, yeah, drop for the ages. <laughs> drop that, Mike. <laughs> um, I, I think I can provide some extra context here, being the British guy and, you know, Sky Sports F1, ITV Watcher back in the day when Brundle's Gridwalk was birthed. Um, first and foremost, incredibly disappointed at some people that I genuinely like and respect in this industry getting in so incredibly defensive like martin's got a divine right like this is his turf the grid is his domain and he can do whatever the hell he likes on it and you've got to respect him and not vice versa now look as as rj alluded to the only real issue i had with megan's side of things is the entourage but shouldn't have jumped in so quick because if you're on a grid you got to make yourself available to the media. That's literally in the regulations. And even, However, even then, like, Megan, Megan's really just there to promote Cash App because Cash App sponsors right. Rebel, and that's fine. You can engage as little or as much as you want your first week in a Formula One. Right, right. And, and look, on top of that, Megan took the whole thing in extremely good grace, and I and I salute her for that because she did not have to. Like I've seen the Williams sisters was there as well, and they were walking the other way when they saw Martin heading in their general direction. Point is, is that I find I found it irritating the amount of people that were getting on their high horse defending Martin Brundle's sass. First of all, asking a black rapper to freestyle rap on the spot is incredibly disrespectful and completely unnecessary. And there was no reason or no need for that whatsoever. It was an objectively stupid question. Like just say you not... don't know you don't know anything about what the kids listen to. You don't know anything about black culture. I mean, you don't have to know all this stuff. Just don't be like vocal about it to the point where you put your foot up your own ass. Right. It it, it was just completely unnecessary. I mean the problem is is that and look, I openly admit a degree of hypocrisy here because I used to find Rundle's Gridwalks entertaining. I, I, I've been watching Formula One with his content on it for 20 years. I'm not going to suddenly say this is all bad because I'd be a hypocrite to, to say that. However, how, however, like... This is a pattern of behavior for Martin Brundle. Yeah. He's this is this is not the first time he's been a jackass on during a grid walk, and it will not be the last, especially when it comes with women, because he's always been a condescending jackass to you know women of color and women of celebrities on a grid. Naomi Campbell, Liz Hurley, you know Nicole Scherzinger in the past, obviously. Yeah, and, like you go, Cara Delevingne, uh, Serena yeah. Williams. You, the yeah. fact that it's so numerous, this is clearly not a problem with these women. It's a problem with Martin Brundle and yes, and Sky and how they operate this gridwalk. And honestly. Back, it's like slightly circling back to the making it in America and mainstream popularity for Formula One. It's something that holds the sport back because it makes celebrities not want to interact with Formula One. Yeah, Shaq already has the benefit of being big into car culture, being big into Formula One. That's that's why it seemed on the surface of people like Shaq gets and get, does. Megan, Megan probably doesn't know all that much about the sport. That's fine. But we're not doing a very good job of trying to attract a new Formula One fan into our circle. 
let alone any of our followers. Right. Yeah, like, like if if you're new to Formula One, this is your first week, uh, this is your first time, like, on the grid. You're there. And the your liaison into the sport is drilling you for questions that you clearly don't want to answer. And when you ignore them, they proceed to continue to force the issue. You're not going to be in. That's not a good first impression for Formula One. No. 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 And and no to, good comes from that. It's, it's incredibly Sorry. disrespectful. And, Go on, like, as much as people say that, you know, you have to follow the rules in our house, like, to expect when a guest comes to visit for them to provide you entertainment is so disrespectful. I don't even know where to start on this. Right. Uh, the, you, just, you, I, you, if you're on it, you're, you're running the gridwalk. That does not give you. Oh, it does not make it open season to treat everyone on the grid however you want to treat them. But that's the thing. If you watch Sky's coverage, which I know people might not have done, I know we particularly don't hear. He goes to Rory McIlroy about a minute and a half later, and there's none of these jackass-related questions. He congratulated Rory for his recent mm-hmm. win on the PGA Tour and asked him if he's there for any other teams or you know who's your favorite guy, etc. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't come out here. He didn't come out here and ask, "Hey, Rory, do you think you could sink a putt up the hill?" Oh, I don't know yeah, if I can. Yeah. Oh, wait, sorry, Rob. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> but that's the point. Like, it is a specific misogynistic tendency that Brundle has because he thinks that the women that are on the grid here clearly don't get what's going on. And I'm going to talk down to them and be a condescending jackass. Oh, no, go ahead, two, two seconds here. Like, I just find it really... Not only that, but also the fact that so many people, like, insisted to defend Martin Brundle's right to be a jackass on the Martin grid. Martin Brundle doesn't That's need defending. What... He's been doing this for 25 years. Right. Like, he is arguably the most respected Formula One broadcaster in Europe. He does not need our help to defend him, first and foremost, right? Said second of all... There are people I genuinely like that was like Toby Moody was defending him and then he was mocking Megan's dress and I'm just like no no it's it's no, like formula it's like Formula One it's like Formula One media on the whole took it as a slight against the whole sport like, like why are we so defensive I don't understand this it's because just- it's the idea that we want people to respect our sport because we feel like we don't get the appreciation we deserve. And this kind of behavior is what people expect of Grand Prix racing in Formula 1. That is a bunch of elitist knobs who look down on others. And it's hurt the sport not only for the past couple years, not only the past decade, but decades. This is not a good image to have to the general public. It's hurt top flight motorsport since its inception. We did not yeah. break away from the Bernie Ecclestone era just to end up back in this shit. Now, come on. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't. You yeah. can't try and get. You try. You can't try and make something go mainstream and continue to be elitist snobs towards people who came to your race and want to. I, I assume want to be part of the show and yeah. Yeah. get into Formula One. It's it's objectively a positive that arguably the biggest name in American rap right now is showing up at your Grand Prix in, in, via a form of cross-promotion. Why would you not want to embrace that, especially when we are the same audience that constantly screams in help? Like, why don't more people like my sport? Like, 
good friend of the show, Remy Connors, has always had that hashtag, please like my dumb sport. And it so could easily apply to so many of us in the Formula One fandom because moments like this make us all look like idiots. And we are trying to escape that reputation of Formula One being an elitist, snobby, like rich infused you know, snobbery elitist bullshit, David. And, you know, we can do better than all of this. We are trying to avoid that. Gatekeeping our sport. Thanks for for blocking me, by the way. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that we had fallen out, but you know, it's cool. Yeah, he deserved the carpet bomb he got for his stupid take. And there were people in other, there were NHL hockey players dunking on his take. Dalton Kellett, Kellett was dunking. Buddy, thanks for thanks for the hangout, Petit Lama. It was great de- catching up for dinner at IHOP. That take was rancid, by the way. Love you, buddy. Yeah. Made it. Please be better. But but <laughs> looking on the positive side of things, one mm. like again, circling back to the NBA, one of the things that helped the NBA take off globally is the fact that anyone could play in the NBA. The idea that it doesn't matter where you came from in the world or what upbringing you had, if you were good enough, you could make it to the NBA. Mm, yeah. Mm. And, and, like, arguably its best player right now is from Greece yeah. and was inspired to pick up the sport after watching them beat USA in the Olympics in, I think it was 2010. Um, or something, I think it was 2008, I should say, in Beijing. Like, the, the best player in the NBA for so long literally came from nothing. LeBron James right. came from nothing yeah, and, and is we one associate, of the most popular athletes in the world. And we associate this sport with money, with with richness, with elitism. The, we are not going to be able to walk away from that reputation ever if we insist on telling people you don't belong to us until you read a 500-page encyclopedia knowing who won the British Grand Prix in 1972 and naming 50 current world champions yeah. like Sebastian Vettel did on Grill the Grid. And it's not even like, that. It's like the the small things that you'd assume common human decency would paper over. Because let's not forget a couple weeks ago when it... It became publicly known that uh, the Saudi Grand Prix in Jeddah was going to have a dress code. And now mm-hmm. we circle back to now, and we're criticizing how someone dresses on the grid after all of social media was like, oh, how could we race in a country where they would, you know, mandate how we could dress to go to a race, and then, we go- then we're back here. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's like I said, Toby Moody did that. Just, my, favorite, my favorite commentator seething. of all time. The, the amount of disappointed I was when I read the shit. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. It is, it's so frustrating, and it tainted for me what was a great overall atmosphere, a great overall experience. Like I said, I the would first Grand Prix... I was like, I landed, and I was just like, are we still talking about this? <laughs> are you still this asshurt? Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah because we're not going to stop is, talking about it. It is a blunt reminder, despite how far Formula 1 ha- has come, there are so many obstacles to get us where we want to go. Yeah. And uh, talking down to you know, big-name celebrities and thinking that we own this space with a snobbery of elitism and condescending bullshit will never get us over that hump. Oh, no. And that is... And, and I- we implying have that there can be no such thing. It, it, 
being offended at the notion of a casual F1 fan will mean that Formula One never breaks into the mainstream. That's not yeah, conjecture. Yeah. That's a fact. Mm. Agreed. But hey, at least at least America was fun, right? You know, hopefully the, the said, good it, will it tainted the bad. The, the noise during qualifying when Verstappen took pole and when Perez oh, yeah. was P1. Oh, yeah. As I said, it was like, and this is not a place where so much the crowd would be partial towards a given driver like, say, Zanvoort. And the, the atmosphere was tremendous. It's a black mm. eye on what is otherwise a, was a great weekend for the sport. But, like, mm. the enthusiasm was insane. There was crowd noise yeah. when they rolled out for practice. You never see exactly. that anywhere. This is lightning in a bottle, F1. It's like, yeah. like, like lightning in a bottle, it. and you just... Lightning in a bottle, and you just threw it in the ocean. No, yeah. we, we, as Formula One, threw it in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. We got to do now we gotta go we fish that out. All I would have yeah. said is James Hunt would have appreciated all of Megan's discography. <laughs> yeah. You love James Hunt so much. You think you know James Hunt when you really don't. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect analogy to close the show on. James Hunt would have loved it. That's all I need to know right there. Perfect. Let's get out of here. We've got another show to record on MotoGP, but places you can find us one more time real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Twitter Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handle's on the screen now if you're not watching. At Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, at CBuckley917. Uh, podcast highlights and all that stuff on our Instagram page as well, Motorsport 101 Pod. Uh, our content goes on there on the website, motorsport101.com, and of course our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. It's a double header that we're going to talk about MotoGP at Misano 2, the Emilia Romagna Made in Italy Grand Prix at the circuit, the Marco Simoncelli. It rolls right off the tongue. But we did crown a new world champion. Certainly one to break down when we get back. So until then, I've been Dre Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell, Cam Buckley, and Ryan Eric King. Until next time, sayonara. I want to hear the Texas plan play my choo-choo song. Bye. <laughs> you Formula Shoot. One people are you, you, you Formula One people are so obsessed about whether or not Lando Norris is, is getting laid or not. You're asking the wrong people whether or not they're getting any. Let's be real. <laughs> No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs>